It's 18 past 7 on Radio Veritas. A very warm welcome to you wherever you are. You're listening to your very own Catholic radio station. And today I'm talking to Janice Sealand. She's the head of the Catholic Institute of Education about uh, education. That's the CIE, as it's called here. And we're going to talk about an initiative, a new initiative that she's spearheading. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, Father, on this chilly morning, uh, and to all your listeners. Thank you very much. Lovely having you with us this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much, Janice. You're the uh, the head of. Are you the head of the CIE? Um, yeah, I do lead the CIE. I am the director, and um, yeah, there are a couple of us who obviously are leaders in their own field, but okay. it is my responsibility to head up the team. Okay, well there we go. All right, Janice. Now there's a new there's a new project that you're involved in education, uh, ed- initiative for developing new skills in South African youth, and interesting because um, I know that uh, there is so much unemployment in South Africa. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's about a quarter of um, of the unemployable people are unemployed in South Africa, and many of these are young people between the ages of 15 and 34. I think. So tell us, what is this new Skills for Youth in South Africa all about? Um, thank you. Thanks for giving us an opportunity to share our story. Right. The, um, what is quite exciting about it is, well, firstly, uh, I mean, the issues that create unemployment in our country are obviously quite tragic. And yes, you are quite correct. Last week, the SA stats said that it was the highest level of unemployment in South Africa for the last 14 years. But I think we do have a positive story, particularly related to the church in the area we're working, because as you are aware, many dioceses as well as congregations have always looked at the communities where they actually live and have thought that they would like to somehow uplift them. So we are fortunate that there are many skills centers in the various areas of Johannesburg and the rest of the country. Right. Now, together with J.P. Morgan, they also identified that one of the ways to maybe turn the economy or assist in a particular country with growth is to look at the unemployed or to look at those that are necessarily low-skilled and reskill them. Mm. So jointly, by using our workshops and the different programs we actually have and by then obviously providing some of the funding and some of the direction. Um, yeah, we've come jointly and we're now launching three programs in the Gauteng and the Free State area to upskill youth. And the focus of the programs will be baking. And if you think of baking, it's um, going into things like the checkers, bakeries, etc. Yeah. And then merchandising, because that's also a skill that um, a, half, well, a number of the unemployed are able to go into, as well as there's a third one now. I can't think of it offhand. So mm-hmm. baking, merchandising, and computing. Computing, yes. that's Of course, that's an obvious one too, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, computing. Yeah. So so you're involved in, in equipping people with these skills? Well, in fact, the centers do do it. What the role of the CIE is, is obviously we coordinate it. So we are the main fund provider. So we've negotiated and signed agreement with J.P. Morgan, mm-hmm. and then they channel the funds through us, and then we work with the centres, but the actual skills themselves are not provided by CIE. Mm-hmm. We're more of an umbrella organisation, so it's provided by the various skills centres that are actually around in our country, and yeah, so we also source the material so that not everybody's looking to try and find merchandising material. We also, at this point, are involved with strengthening some of the systems in the skill centers around leadership development, financial systems, and governance. 
Okay, all right. Now, are, are there many of these skills centers? You know, um, in, at the moment in our network, we have 25 of them. So mm. that is quite large in, in the general population. I mean, versus the schools, yeah. it's not. Mm. But certainly in terms of looking at other particular skill centers, particularly non-profit um, case-based centers, there are a number which are 25 of the ones we particularly work in. I mean, we could do with a lot more, but right. they are expensive to build and particularly to equip because obviously you need certain tools and kitchens, etc. Right. Now, how does this actually work practically now? To take us through the sort of steps, I mean... Uh, uh, if anybody wanted to become involved with this project? Okay, I suppose the steps we would do um, particularly is, and the biggest part of the child tell you now, is basically, also if you look at it historically, from the church, if you can remember, particularly from 94 on, there was a big drive around adult education. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, a lot of um, centers were established first for adult education, where you have numeracy and literacy. And then the second step would then obviously move into trying to give them a short skill. So what happens is on a quarterly basis, six monthly or annually, depending on the length of the course, the students would apply to the various centers and they would check their um, literacy and numeracy abilities. And if they were lacking in that, one would bring those skills. So there always requirements for teachers to teach literacy and numeracy. And then there's a life skills course that we run with them. And the advantage of this is to assist them in to try and see where their interest and where it would be best to place them and also to give them skills for workplaces. Mm. And then after that, they get the hard skill, which is either computing, as I said, merchandising, and it could also be things like welding. But one of the biggest challenges for these learners at the moment, and these are regarded as short skills courses, is the workplace opportunities that they almost need to get, or that they do need to get their certification. Mm. So if anybody out there in our network is open to offering work um, experience to people with hard skills, that certainly would be a great win because, yes, we can train as many people as we like, but if there are no opportunities for work, or even we would like them just to become economically active, The other section is we are, as organization, um, the centers all BE compliant. So if there are any businesses who are also looking to partner with a venture that's credible and know where the BE spend is going, this would be a good one to look at it. So there are various aspects. The places are situated close to where the communities are. So it would be things like Innerdale, there's Inracha Park, and there are a few out in the northwest area. Well, you know, that's interesting. As I'm listening to you now, I'm involved in it with an organization called the Culping Society. And they do... They're one of our centers. Aha, uh-huh, okay. It's cause I was we saying, do work with them, yes. I would say to myself, oh, this is, this is very much culping, you know. <laughs> very similar, yes. Now, they are one of our um, partners, so we do work with them. They obviously work at different levels because I don't think they quite have the same, um, not all the skills centers, should I say, all the yeah. work, I mean, the, but they do, yes, yes. and they use our life skills course. That's right. They're a very good organization. Very, very good organization, yes. And uh, well, it's interesting that, that, that you're doing this now. So, um, so do people have to be registered at all these skills centers? Or if there was, well, or, or how does it work? Well, um, yes, it's not as formalized as the basic education and screening system, but essentially 
what we do recommend is that the courses are registered and the registration for these courses is through your CETAs. So you get like the MERS CETA, which would do things like welding or you would get the baking CETA or you'd get, so you get the various CETAs. Yes. And as, I mean, that in itself is quite controversial. But so yes, the people who run the courses also need to be accredited in the course that they actually are running and they've also got to be assessors and moderators so they obviously can make sure there's a portfolio of evidence that the learners can build up. Right. So yes, there is, and that's also where we assist in ensuring that people can access the right courses mm-hmm. and discounts for group discounts. And I mean, another example would be is that from the baking point of view, we've worked with Bidvest very recently because they have a kitchen where they actually train their own bakers. Right. And they have trained our bakers from our 11 centers at no cost to us. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, so they've done that as their BE thing. And now they are looking at how can they upgrade some of the kitchens as part of their BE initiative because it sits with what some of their focuses. So that's mm. also, so it sort of is a multiplying effect, which is very exciting. Wonderful. It really is very, very interesting. What's your success rate? That's the part that we are actually looking at, because I think the, um, it's not difficult to train people. And as you can imagine, but the challenge in the end is for people to get employment or to be economically viable. And that's, that's very difficult to actually measure. I mean, mm. as an example, if we look at a motor mechanic course that's been run out at Innerdale, yeah. um, they, they actually have managed to say about a 50% um, success rate. Right. Or if you look at one of the centers in Cape Town, you have a relationship with a tiling organization. Yeah. They've got about a 70% success rate. Wow. But we're also looking about the informal economy. So yes. in the end, it's not only trying to get people into the formal economy, but into the informal economy. Mm. And that's a little bit more difficult to measure. Mm. But it's those that would be welding in their um, local area or they'd set up a small panel beater or a scrapyard or, you know, do baking and then sell it in their community. So those are a bit more difficult to track. But that's also an area we look at. Wonderful. um, And do you have a big team working at this project? Um, no, uh, unfortunately, we try not to make the team too large because to sustain it can be quite expensive. But yeah. we so we have a core team of four people, um, and then if we require special skills, we then bring those special skills in and pay for that particular service. But mm. there is a core team at the office who are passionate about what they've done, right. um, and work have worked extensively in the field with the seaters in adult education. Mm. So yeah, it's. Quite exciting. Wow. The other part which we're moving towards is the Department of Higher Education, who's responsible for adult education, has signed an MOU with the CIE to provide some funding and also to work with us in terms of making our skills centers part of their pilot community education. So the Department of Higher Education is also piloting what they call community education to see that can work with the TVET colleges and the tertiary section. Right. So it is an exciting field to mm. be at the beginning of. Wonderful. Well, it's a really great initiative, Janice, I, and I really wish you well with this. Thank you. If, if any listeners out there want to get involved in this, well, what do you propose they do now? I would suggest they drop us an email because that's the easiest way for us to particularly follow up. Or they're welcome to call us. And I give you our, I can give you an email address. Yes. 
The easiest one, because it is tracked and we'll always send it to the person that's relevant, is info, so that's I-N-F-O, mm-hmm. at C-I-E dot org dot Z-A. Okay. And our landline is 011-433-1888. Right. But we also have a website, so if people would like to look more deeply in what we're actually doing or explore it a bit further, mm-hmm. I would also point them in our um, website, which if you go to Google and search on Catholic Institute of Education, right. you'll find it. Or otherwise, it's www.cie.org.za. There we go. Interesting. There we go. It's simple enough. Janice, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for this initiative, and I really hope it it grows and grows and grows because we really need to make a dent in this unemployment situation that we have in our country. It's it's so sad. Exactly. Thank you. That it's it's so, so high here. I mean, it's incredible. About 30% now. Yeah, at least between 20 and 25%. In some groups, it's even actually higher. So, yes, if we can give our youth some hope for the future, certainly... Yeah, will make their lives far more. Thank you. And yeah, I would encourage your listeners, if anybody has any interest, no matter what it is, please drop us a line. Because as many people can work together, we start yeah, making an impact. So that's people who would like to contribute in some way towards the project or young people who are saying, hey, I think I can get something out of this too. Absolutely. So info at cie.org.za. That's right. their email address, and they can phone you on 011-433-1888. You know, that number I've known for many, many years. Such an easy number to remember. Yes, 011-433-1888. That's the Catholic Institute of Education. Janice, thank you very much. Anything more you'd like to share? No, no. As That's it. it. Is, yeah, please go onto our website, look at what we do, and yeah, any help contributions, volunteers would be welcome. Absolutely wonderful. Thank Thank you very much, much. Janice. God bless you. Thank you too. Bye. Right.